Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview inspiring and fascinating women who talk about their projects as well as their own lives as evolving women. I'm your host, Nicole Christina. And if you like the podcast, you'll love my newly updated companion online course, Zestful Aging, Simple and Sustainable Habits for Health and Longevity. Learn more at NicoleChristina.com. Well, I have my coffee in my hand and my little Jack Russell Sparky right beside me. So let's begin. Hello, today we have Adela Mizrachi, who is the founder of the Podcast Brunch Club, which is described to be like a book club, but for podcasts. And there is a global community out there that's involved in the club. There are 30 chapters and they're on four continents. Uh, Adela also flips houses. She's a busy woman and she works at Northwestern University in the communications department. Welcome, Adela. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for for joining. I have uh, there's we have a lot of um, material to cover because you come at this with so many different skills and talents and adventures. But let's just start with the podcast brunch club. Um, would you tell me a little bit about how you got interested in in podcasts? Just for you individually, how did you get hooked? You know, I think it, it's it's hard to remember, but um, somebody just recommended it. I was happened to be going on vacation. It was one of those, you know, beach vacations where you don't do anything. And those are not usually the types of vacations I take because I'm usually pretty active and I like to explore and do things. But this was one where I was like, I'm going to be sitting on, you know, on a beach <laughs> chair for extended periods of time. I'm going to need to keep my mind occupied. Occupied. And sometimes just reading in the sun gives me headaches. So I thought I'd download a bunch of podcasts and give it a try. And within a day, I was hooked. I like, <laughs> I even figured out a way to, I had a Bluetooth um, headset. It was back in, back in like 2014, I think, 2013. And I figured out a way to put a little receiver thing in my bun so that I could actually be <laughs> in the pool listening to my podcast while I was in the pool because I could not take a break. Wow. So. Wow. That is, that's a, that's a great visual right there. <laughs> um, do you remember what the, what the first podcasts oh, yeah. were? Yeah, you yeah. do. Which one? Oh, yeah. Radio Lab. It was oh. 100% Radio Lab. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so fascinating. Yeah. Um, and are there particular sort of elements that you see that there's a pattern? Are there elements to podcasts that you really gravitate towards? Um, yes, for sure. I think for me, I always want to feel like I'm enriching myself in some way. I'm educating myself in some way. Um, even if it's not, if you know, not that entertainment is not a value I have. I definitely want to be entertained while I'm being educated, but I want to feel kind of like I'm being enriched, whether that's through a story that somebody's telling about their personal life or, or, you know, some academic researcher kind of walking us through their research. 
Uh, so those are the types I gravitate toward. I, I personally don't, I know there's a huge pull th- right now for um, true crime podcasts that doesn't mm-hmm. really do it for me. And I know there's a lot of audio drama out there. Also, it's not something that I gravitate towards. I, I tend to do more, um, more thoughtful things that make me think. Things that make mm-hmm. me want to talk to people about it. You know? And they're a little quirky. Radio Lab has a little quirky element to it. Yeah, I love the quirky ones. Those are fun. Heavyweight's another great one that just recently came out. That's just uh-huh. fun to listen to. Do you remember the moment um, when you were listening to podcasts, taking them, you know, taking them with you wherever you went, mm-hmm. and and you had the thought, you know, this is really worth sharing. I want to take this to the next step. Do you remember that? I a hundred percent do. It actually was at a very kind of trying time in my life. I had had uh, a back surgery and it was my second within a 13 month period. Mm -hmm. And I was, it was, the first one was like no problem. The second one just completely wrecked me. And I, I just went to, I, I went to a really bad place in my head. I just, I've never actually, I've never experienced depression really until that moment and now I have a new appreciation for people who suffer from it regularly but uh mine was sort of acute I guess and uh I was just I couldn't I needed to find ways to occupy my mind that didn't sort of force me to reflect inward uh books I could just easily get distracted by reading movies were not doing it for me and I was just listening to so many podcasts and then a group of friends all came over to bring, bring me dinner and just chat and keep me company for a little, for one evening. And one friend and I just went down that rabbit hole. We, she, somehow we got on the topic of podcasts, probably because I started a sentence with, oh my gosh, I was listening to this podcast. And I learned, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. And she just came back with, oh my God, I heard that podcast too did you hear this one and I was like no what's that one I'm going to download it right now and it just I can imagine you're looking it up as she's talking oh yeah we were both on our phones downloading (laughs) podcasts and I just that was the moment I mean I just realized oh yeah this needs to be a thing that happens regularly and this is exactly why book clubs exist because book reading is a very solitary activity just like podcast listening and that, you know, maybe max you're listening with one other person if you're listening in the car, but you know, most of the time people are got their headphones in and you know, we want to talk about it. This is all really interesting stuff. And for me being, I'm, I'm just always going places, doing things. I'm always moving. So book reading books was just off the table for me. Mm-hmm. And um, so you know, I could be driving and listening to a podcast or walking somewhere and listening to a podcast. I can't be walking somewhere and reading a book, Mm -hmm. you know? That's a little dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be very scary. So... Had you been in book clubs before? You know, I had been. And then I actually had a bunch of friends, the same group of girlfriends that came over that night who had their own book club and they kept asking me to join. And I was like, nope, not going to do it because I, I know myself. I just, I cannot find... For whatever reason, reading wasn't, I don't know, I couldn't 
concentrate on it. I couldn't live in it the same way that I can live in a podcast, that I can kind of zone everything else out and all the chatter going on in my head of all the things I should be doing. Um, I just can't zone that out when I'm reading for some reason. I also think I'm a very, very, very slow reader. Ah. Um, and so that just frustrates me because I'm like, I want to get through this content faster so I can get more content. And I'm just a slow reader. And so I, I resisted, even though they were all my friends. And a lot of them were like, you don't have to even read the book. I just was like, I would just feel bad. And then I'd feel stressed. And then I'd feel guilty for not reading the book. And, you know, that's a whole thing. That yeah, I just who didn't needs that when know. you're already feeling low? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so yeah, so that was the moment I just... It was an aha moment and I realized, and actually it's funny too, because I do remember at the time I was listening to a podcast called Startup from Gimlet Media and it's a, comp- it, Startup is very meta in and of itself because it's, it's um, hosted by Alex Bloomberg, who mm-hmm. used to be uh, part of This American Life. He worked ah. with Ira Glass. Oh, and he dis- yes. Yeah. So he decided to start his own company called Gimlet Media. And Startup was the first podcast from Gimlet Media. And it was basically chronicling his startup of his podcasting company. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it was very meta. Uh And so as I was listening to that, there was a moment, I think, in one of the episodes that said something brought up the point that podcast listening is very lonely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it's a lonely... I think actually podcast creating can also be lonely, but podcast listening, it's not a lo- it's not lonely. It's maybe it's solitary. Um, and so it was like those two things happened right around the same time. Uh-huh. And I, and I just wanted to, I wanted to make this a thing. And I, the friend and I, you know, talked about it and she said, I have some friends I can invite. And I said, great, I'll have some friends I can invite. And so we started in Chicago, just meeting for brunch. That's why we called it podcast brunch club. And very quickly, we realized we needed to have a theme every month rather than just picking three random podcast episodes that had nothing to do with each other. Uh-huh. And, and then I opened it up to the world, like maybe about a year into doing it with Chicago. And yeah, now we have actually over 30 chapters on five continents now. We just added wow. a chapter in New Zealand. Wow, wow. There's so many uh, follow-up questions I want to ask you, but I'm thinking <laughs> about... And I, I'm sure people have analyzed this and thought about this really thoroughly, but some people would be sitting in front of the TV. Even people like you who sound very curious and intellectually, you know, hungry, they could sit in front of public TV. Sure. Um, but this is different. It's a very, it's a different experience. What are your, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I I think about this a lot because my fiance is a TV watcher and it drives me completely crazy. Mm -hmm. But I also think that there's an element of podcast listening that because it's something that you can multitask, you don't feel like you're wasting time. So with TV, I just think, I just feel like I'm wasting time. I'm not doing the dishes. I'm not, you know, 
going running my errands. I'm not doing the laundry or I'm not, you know, going to the next house to flip or whatever, or flipping the house, you know, doing some of the work in the house. If I was watching TV, I wouldn't be doing any of those Uh other things. But while I'm listening to podcasts, I can do all of those other things. And so it just, it feels a little bit more productive to me. I read something where the average podcast lasts about uh, the same amount of time as the average commute so that people are, you know, using that obviously in their cars and and multitasking. Yeah. 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 I have to tell you, have you ever seen Ira Glass uh, do a presentation? No. I had the, the real fortune. He came to Syracuse University and I think you'll really appreciate this. He started it in the pitch black. Hmm. So he's talking because it's really all about his voice and your imagination. So he wanted to sort of replicate this this feel of, you know, the, right. the podcast. And it was so dramatic. And huh. uh, wow. You they mean he started teach- the presentation yes, in the pitch Yes, yes. He oh. was on the, on the uh, stage pitch black and he started oh. his talk and they had in the gift shop they had t-shirts that said ira glass is a rock star and i thought <laughs> <He> <laughs> sounds like he might be your kind of rock star yeah, yeah. yeah. he's great he's brilliant. yeah and actually um alex bloomberg who's the the man i was talking about who started um gimlet and was uh I guess worked with Ira Glass for a very long time. He did the the, um, the keynote speech at Podcast Movement in when it was in Chicago, uh-huh. which which is where I live, and I happened to go, and I listened. <clears throat> excuse me, I listened to his keynote speech, and it was it was incredible. He, he basically, and I forget the 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 statistics that he he brought up but he was he was exploring kind of why is audio so much more compelling than reading and then and then um watching you know audio visual kind of content uh and his hypothesis is that it requires and this is not let's just compare audio visual to audio only Mm-hmm. Like his hypothesis was that uh, you were required to sort of use your own imagination in audio only. And by using your own imagination, you're sort of invested more in the story and mm-hmm. in the content. Whereas audio visual, like everything is just being done for you. And it's a much more passive experience. It's it, there's an intimacy Yes. Um, that you're describing. Yeah. You know, I would be so curious to 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 uh, have brains in the PET scan. One when mm. they're doing just podcasts, and I'm guessing it's been done. And one where somebody's maybe taking in content on YouTube or Facebook yeah. or something. Right. It'd be really interesting to see the regions that are lighting up. And that's my yeah. geeky self kind of sneaking. No, out I love that. I'm with you on that. And like, I think that it's true for readers too, right? You're invested because you're sort of inserting your own imagination into the stories by envisioning the people that you're reading about or whatever. But I still, and I do believe that there are different people out there, people who are, you know, visual people who are 
auditory and then people who might, you know, take in information through reading. And so, you know, podcast is just another way to get content. I have a friend who cannot listen to podcasts. She's just like, I can't do it. I just, as soon as I have a po- headphones in my ears and I'm doing something else, I'm focused on what I'm doing. I'm not focused on what's in my ears. So, mm-hmm. hmm. so t- talk a little bit about the experience of being with your brunch club, your brunch clubbers. <laughs> and so you'll <laughs> pick a restaurant or how, how does this work? What are the logistics? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, every chapter sort of operates in their own way. And whenever somebody approaches me to start a chapter and anybody, any of your listeners are welcome to, to approach me as well. Um, it's. I always just say, you know, really the primary thing is that it's easy on the chapter leader, whatever method you choose for organizing your group, just make it easy on yourself because this is something you're doing for fun and it shouldn't be a huge burden. Um, So for me, I just send out an evite every month and we always pick the last Sunday of the month and I sort of pick a different restaurant and we just kind of hop around the city and and experience different brunch places. We're getting to a point now that we're getting big enough that I think we might have to just kind of make a relationship with a restaurant or some sort of venue where they just host us. They know we're coming. They're very flexible. They'll bill each person separately, that kind of thing. Just logistical arrangements. And also, you know, if we have what really, we just had a brunch club on Sunday and it was amazing. We had four, well, we had 14 people RSVP. I think 12 showed up and the restaurant, the way that it ended up working out is they put us at two separate tables, completely separate tables and on the same floor, but they were six and six and we are, we're at round tables. And so it was a, it was perfect. It was a great, you know, rather than having 12 people at a big long table, uh-huh. you know, six and six at a round table worked really, really well. And actually Helen, who is the way, you know, you met, you found out about me through next act for women and Helen, Helen yes. was at that, at, at that brunch. Uh-huh. And of course I asked her to be at the other table than I was so that she could sort of facilitate that. You know, she's a great facilitator. So Yes, yes. Have you thought and I'm sure you have, but have you thought about like doing some kind of um, you know, uh at the at people's homes, like a traveling brunch club, or does that sound like too much work? Well, it's funny that you mentioned that. So that's actually oddly enough the way our New York City chapter is doing it. Um, they have one chapter member who's always happy to host at her place and it's a potluck and everybody just brings food and they had 25 people show up yesterday or Sunday. Wow. Yes, I know. And I just reached out to the chapter leader saying, okay, is this, you know, do we, do you want to work through some, you know, think through some ideas for making it easier? She said, well, for now it's still okay, but you know, there's also the apartment building has like a venue, a sort of party room that they could use too. And so that is definitely an idea. I think, I think because a lot of our chapters, I always give people who approach me about starting a chapter the option. You can either have a private chapter where it's just you and your network, and then I don't put it on the website, or you can have, you know, a public facing chapter where you're, it's open to anybody who wants to join. I would say 99% of the people who approach me want to start open chapters. So, um, so in that way, I can see why some people would be a little apprehensive to maybe go to somebody's house if they're a mm. new person joining yes. the group or, or even inviting strangers into your own home. Sure. I'm shocked it's happening in New York City, to be honest. I thought yes. if, oh, anywhere in the world that's going to happen is not going to be New York City, but I was wrong. <laughs> right. So you've, you've discovered through some pretty intense adversity 
the way to put the put something together that you love and you enjoy and do something that is like on the top three of health promoting behaviors, which is being in community. Mm-hmm. Were you aware of that? I mean, or maybe at some kind of intuitive level, like this is really healthy. I don't think I gave that aspect of it any thought, honestly. I just think I was like, I want this, so I'm going to create it. And if I want this and I can create it in Chicago, I'm sure other people in other cities want this and I can help them create it wherever they live. And it was just a very kind of rudimentary thought process. I really didn't, I think part of the beauty of what happened with Podcast Brunch Club is that I didn't, I just kind of let it evolve into what it it evolved into without trying to stronghold, you know, strong arm it into anything that I imagined. Uh Um, When I thought about putting it out into the world, I really thought most people were going to want to do private podcast brunch club groups with their friends and that it would be a really simple and it wouldn't be super, I would, I did never thought of it as sort of like a global community when I envisioned inviting other people in other cities to join. Uh I really thought it was just going to be, you know, groups of friends in different cities, and that would be the extent of it. But it, it um, you know, it turned into what it, it turned into, and I couldn't be happier. I can imagine. It's yeah. it's just a great solution to a lot of different, you know, problems. Um, you know, you talked a bit about being a curious woman and that you you just love learning new things. Tell me about Ethiopia and how the, those things may be uh, yeah. Uh, related. Yeah. Well, so I want to just go back one thing. I want to tell you a funny little anecdote about the community thing. And I just, just right before I got on the phone call with you, I just emailed um, our London chapter leader who had reached out to me saying, hey, I'm going to be in the Portland, Seattle area. Do we have any chapters there? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, and she wanted to, you know, join them, which is a great way to meet people while you're traveling. Unfortunately, we don't actually. Our west, the West Coast, is underrepresented in the podcast brunch club. But I happen to have a friend out in Seattle, and so I'm linking them up. So for me, it really is about kind of creating connection between people, even if it's not between me and that person, because I've actually never met our London chapter leader. But if I can create connections for people, that just I don't know. It just makes me feel really great. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, you know, then there's that unintended health benefit that you were, you were talking about. I feel good about what I'm doing. And that just makes, that makes me smile. And smiling is healthy. (laughs) And you're hitting another one without maybe even recognizing it, that this idea that the, the term is kind of cumbersome generativity, the idea of giving, you know, sort of what we think of paying forward mm. or giving of ourselves in a way that you're not necessarily going to have a benefit from, but it's right. the same, the same stuff that makes volunteering so satisfying. And it sounds like that's what you're doing. It's like, this is going to be great. Yeah. You know, London's going to meet Seattle and yeah. I'll hear good stuff. Um, but there's no direct benefit to you, only that you're making people yeah. feel good and, 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 and contributing. Yeah. Yeah, because to be honest, like I've said this before too, you know, there's so much, if you watch the, you know, nightly news, it's just like depressing. If you can. News. 
Yeah. Right. Depressing news after depressing news after mm. depressing news. And it just seems like sometimes I read these articles about what's happening in the world. And I just think that, you know, sometimes I just get overwhelmed by the what I see is sometimes pure evil that exists in this world. And then I always have to kind of take a step back and podcast brunch club is like my sort of, you know, I can do my trust fall for podcast brunch club because I know that so many, there's actually so many more people in the world that are good, decent human beings than bad. And sometimes it's hard to, to see that when you're just focused on the news and what's going on Mm, in the world because absolutely. And so Podcast Brunch Club is just, I just have met so many awesome, giving, thoughtful people through it that it just has sort of given me a new perspective on what, who is out there in the world. Wow. I mean, this idea of creating this entity that sort of spreads goodness and spreads joy and is, is growing. Yeah. It, it must be so satisfying. Yeah. And the other part about it that we didn't really touch on is that it's creating dialogue. You know, we're talking to each other. We're putting our phones and our tablets away for a two-hour brunch or happy hour or whatever, however each city does it. And we're actually, like, looking each other face-to-face and talking about things that sometimes are a little hard to talk about. You know, like, we talked about love last last month or this, this month, February, but... Um, and next month we're talking about adoption mm-hmm. and we've talked about fear and we've talked about laughter and we've talked about all sort of prison, you know? And so, and you're talking about these topics that are kind of heavy sometimes with people that maybe you've never met before. So, so that's the other part of it that also feels really, really good is that you're just talking to people there. You're coming from the same starting point because you've all listened to the same podcasts and each conversation might go in a very different direction. And that's fine. You know, that's fine. That's what this is about. It's just having a conversation with another human being, you know, about a topic that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise talked to them about. And that is very different than watching TV. PBS, you know, Mm -hmm. is probably the exception. But many people experience that as being kind of a numbing you know, from stress, mm-hmm. from anxiety, from their work day, yeah. that they'll just go there and they can kind of check out mentally, just mm-hmm. like it's pre-digested, entertain mm-hmm. me. The same with Facebook. This is very different. You're describing being fully engaged and yeah. thoughtful and yeah. interactive. It's a completely different you know, you're describing this as a p- completely different experience. Yeah. And it, it, you know, there's not to say that there isn't room in everybody's life for a little bit of checking out and, you know, just letting, letting entertainment, you know, take over. That's mm-hmm. that there's definitely room. Uh, you know, I just, it seems like there's a thousand ways to do that and not as many ways to kind of create that real true dialogue and engagement among people in, your near vicinity. And, and, you know, there's plenty of networking events and there's plenty of different groups you can join. The nice thing about podcast brunch club is like, again, you're starting from the same starting point every month. You're coming in, having listened to the exact same podcast and everybody's going to have a different perspective about it, but it's not, you know, networking events are great, but it's always feel, it always feels like, Oh, what can you do for me? Or what can I do for you? And people, it's a little transactional. There's an agenda. Yeah. Yeah. There's an agenda. Do people come with notes to these meetings? Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And do, I'm, I'm wondering if relationships are, <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> fostered and um, enhanced. I know friendships for sure. And I was just saying the other day with my podcast brunch club group, because our topic was love. I said, my dream is to find out that I actually, that one of the podcast <laughs> brunch club meetings created a, a, a romantic relationship. That would be great. And, you know, that's just, again, it's like, that's not the intention, but yes. it's, and that sort of is why I think people feel com- comfortable coming because it's not, you're putting yourself out there, but you're not putting yourself out there in a completely vulnerable way. You're just coming and again, you've listened, you've all listened to the same thing and you're coming yes. there to talk about that thing. And if the conversation veers towards something completely different, that's totally fine. There's never an agenda, even if it's off the topic, even if it's off podcasts, it, whatever it is, it goes it's where two it goes. hours you can yeah. sit through and say, well, I didn't like that particular subject. Right. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, but you to go. Sorry, I I feel like I took us off on another tangent. No, I'm just I am curious about Ethiopia yeah. and how this fits into you know you you sound very uh, the whole there's this volunteer aspect, there's a greater good aspect, and and, mm-hmm. and you wanting to contribute. I'm just curious how you ended up living in Ethiopia. Yeah, yeah. So. Um... So I, I'm from Chicago. I graduated during sort of the dot-com boom and I got snatched up and I ended up in Washington, D.C. somehow, sort of like totally unintentionally and not really in a job or a field that I feel like I was meant to be in. And I happened to be living in D.C. when September 11th happened and uh, I could see the smoke coming off the Pentagon and... Mm. I had been dating somebody that actually worked at the Pentagon every day. He was fine, but it was just a close to home. Yeah. And it was just an amazing thing to witness, to see, you know, for anybody, whether you were in the city that was affected or not, uh, you know, just, and even afterward, just to see the sort a little bit of the extreme patriotism that I saw was a little scary to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Jewish. I, you know, well educated about the Holocaust and, and sort of the, the extreme patriotism that, that was, you know, sort of preceded a lot of what happened. Mm-hmm. And I actually happened to have a friend from Germany coming to visit me a couple of months later. I think she came around in December, January, and she saw all the American flags flying and freaked out because she uh-huh. said, yeah, she said like, "Oh my God, no!" In Germany, it's almost like neo-Nazi to 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 fly the American flag, and I was surprised by her reaction. But but thinking about about it and seeing some the, the freedom fries and all the things and sort of like the and a lot of this stuff is obviously still happening and with you know racial profiling and just kind of whatever everybody's a terror you know anybody who's a certain color is a terrorist and this and that and Mm -hmm. I just didn't it was hard for me to witness and I I had studied abroad and I really really wanted to get into kind of getting young people out of America (laughs) that was sort of my goal I was like we need to get these kids out of here we need to get them experiencing other things they need to see what it's like meet people from different places that speak different languages that have different you know but while they're young because they're still a little bit malleable and uh i decided uh, i i really didn't know what i was doing i just went to a, 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 a 
graduates there and I talked to somebody about it. I thought it was going to be international relations or something. And I realized that there's an actually an international education degree. And I ended up deciding to go and get my uh, international education master's degree from uh, George Washington University and then graduated. And I ended up working instead of working in the study abroad kind of field, I ended up going into international development. DC being DC, there's a lot of foreign aid money. There's a lot of government contracting in general. And so there's tons of nonprofits and organizations that are doing education, health, democracy, agriculture work in developing countries um, using money from the U.S. Agency for International Development or other funders. And I was hired by one of these companies and started working with them. And that's how I ended up in Ethiopia. I was actually, this is sort of a funny story. It was about five years into me working there. I never really intended to, I, I traveled a lot while I worked there. But I never really was one of those people who wanted to be an expat. Mm-hmm. And there were plenty of young people who just wanted to, you know, live the glamorous life of an expat and, and, you know, wanted to find any way to do that. I, I was not that person. I wanted I, I liked kind of, I had traveled a lot already. I just didn't want to be an expat. I don't, I don't even know if I ever gave any thought as to why, but uh, I was placed on the Ethiopia project that we won. It was going to train. We ended up training 20,000 20, English language teachers in Ethiopia. Oh, and, yeah. and I was really supposed to be the home office project manager. So I was going to stay in DC and do sort of the back end home office work for the project. And we were going to have um, a country director living in the country. But the way that it works out with all, almost every single US government contract that anybody ever gets, it's always late. And so the person that we were supposed to hire to be the com- country director couldn't wait around for that job to just, you know, magically appear and she got another job. And so all of a sudden, like the next day we finally got the contract from, from the client and we didn't have anybody to go. Oh my goodness. And I was supposed to go with her for three weeks to help start the project. And it's, I mean, it really is like starting a company in in another country. So I ended up going with another person who was a senior person. And then after, I don't know, a week and a half of being there, they said, Hey, would you be willing to stay for a year and be the country director? And yeah, and funny enough, and I think your audience might appreciate this, the older woman that I was with, um, she, I really just kind of was on the fence. I I was, I had a whole, I had a relationship at home, but I was sort of on the fritz anyway. I, I, you know, had friends. I, I never, I didn't pack my things. Like I had a condo, like it was a whole thing. Oh, goodness. Yeah. And I was, you know, hemming and hawing and Mona you know, was asking me about it. And when she realized I was sort of on the fence, she goes, she she looked at me and I I will never forget. She goes, Adela, when a door opens, you walk through it. Do not ask questions about whether you should walk through it. Just walk through it. (laughs) (laughs) That was a big door though. (laughs) It was a big door, but it just sort of was like, yeah, that's true. When an opportunity presents itself and it's scary, but exciting and, you know, just, just do it. And I love your DIY spirit. (laughs) (laughs) You just, you know, it seems like, you know, you, you, you figure out what's important to you and then somehow you make it 
into something uh, incredible. Yeah, I mean, it was it was an experience. I would not say I mean, I, I loved the year I was there. I won't lie. But they asked me to stay another two years. I think that project got extended for two years. And I just drew my line in the sand. And I said, No, mm-hmm. I felt like I had done it. I had mm-hmm. And and there's a whole reason I can go into if you want of why and what I sort of realized while I was there about that lifestyle. Um, but I just sort of decided, decided it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this the longer. Gonna, maybe sorry, this is a funny question, but it's a question that um, I've asked other guests and I think it can be pr- thought provoking. Do you have a system where you ask yourself, is this right for me? Is this the right door? How do I know if Mm -hmm. I should step ahead? Because you have been presented opportunities. You've done a lot of different things, Mm -hmm. you know, with Podcast Brunch Club, with Flipping Houses, Mm -hmm. with, you know, your advanced degree. What is it that helps you decide whether or not to, um, to invest yourself in, in a project? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. And I wouldn't say I have a system in that my system is not having a system. So, uh, I learned very early on in my career that, and, and I guess in my adult life, in the beginning of my adult life, that if you try to wrangle something, you know, if you have this like your sight, your sights set on something and mm-hmm. you're just like going after it, like, you know, full force and steamrolling your way. Yeah. I, for me and my life, it's always backfired every time I've done it that way. I, you know, and not in a way that was super negative or anything. It's some of, most of the time it had unintended beneficial consequences, but mm-hmm. the thing that I was going after actually never happened or, or somehow blew up in my face. And it was just a sort of devastating time. And, you know, you roll with the punches and then you realize, okay, maybe that was for the best in the end, or who knows, maybe it wasn't for the best, but you'll never know. Fine. Whatever. Move on. But I realized, um, after a couple of experiences kind of like that, that, okay, just, just like, let things happen. You know, let, let things work out. And and don't try to strong arm everything. Um, Uh And things usually work out really well. And I I think that happens to be true. In my case, I don't know that I could speak for everybody. But I think what it has done for me is that it has kept me open to anything and everything. Whereas had I had my sights set on something, I think I would have been walking around with blinders on and not seen the forest for the trees and wouldn't have known those opportunities when they presented themselves because I wasn't looking for them. That's really uh, thought provoking. Do you, is that the kind of advice you think your younger self would have given uh, to yourself now is being flexible and not trying to strong arm your goals into submission. Yes, absolutely. That that's what I would tell any young person I was talking to right now. Um, any any person of any age, honestly, is what. Mm. And and again, like it's one, you know, and equals one in this experiment. <laughs> you know, it's me and my experience, and I, you know, I can learn from my experience and I can hope other people might learn from my experience, but they have to learn for themselves. And 
and do what works for them. But yeah, for me, it's always been, and, and the thing about me though, that I think might not be true of everybody is that I have, I don't have a singular focus of what I'm interested in. And I think that's true of a lot of people, but it's also not true of a lot of people. Like I could never, ever imagine getting my PhD. That would be like, like four to six years of my life to me to seem wasted on one thing, you know, on, on, on hyper focus. Yeah. For me, I need that variety. I love that variety. And so I thrive on, on the different, the different things I'm doing. And if I was only doing podcast brunch club and I wasn't doing flipping, or if I was only doing flipping and I wasn't doing podcast brunch club, I think I would be like, I'd feel boxed in. And I need that variety because I've always described myself as a jack of all trades, master of none. Uh-huh, uh-huh. but all but also tr- always trying always trying to master something but like really never really giving <laughs> it a shot it too tightly yeah, in your right. in your fists so you have developed this thriving unique community which originally grew out of a pretty dark place yeah i did i, I never even spirit yeah and I, I know it's funny to think about it when you like look at Look at it in retrospect, you know, sometimes some going through some dark things can actually bring about some beautiful things. I think that that is often the way it happens in my experience seeing clients. You know, that whole thing about crisis is also opportunity. It doesn't feel good when you're there, but new things tend to sprout out. You need yeah. to, the whole system has to kind of, the tectonic plates or yeah. whatever have to have to shift. shift in a big, big way. Yeah. 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 I love yeah. your spirit of openness and adventure and curiosity. It yeah. has been such a, a pleasure getting to know your story and, and hear about you. And I'm going to put the link to Podcast Brunch Club in the notes. Great. And so I think my listeners will be interested in hearing more. Yeah. Well, that anybody is welcome to join us or start a chapter. The information is on the website. Okay. Thank you so much, Adela, for, for joining me today. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at nicolechristina.com. And please consider becoming a patron of the show. You will get access to exclusive bonuses and you will be part of the Zestful Aging community. Keep us going strong. Go to patreon.com slash Zestful Aging. See you next time for another episode of Zestful Aging.